Yeah. So maybe very quickly I will introduce myself. I come from Greece. I was born and raised in Athens, Greece. Um, Athens, the capital of Greece. You hear about Athens in uh, the book of Acts, uh, especially chapter 17, where when uh, Paul went uh, to Athens and he preached there. I'm married to Irini, uh, whom you saw briefly for five years. We have a two-year-old son. His name is Angelo, Angelo <coughs> Nathaniel. And we have arrived in the USA about four, five months ago, uh, beginning of September, to be part of the Orchard uh, School of Ministry, which is a program, as you shared, training uh, people who want to be in full-time uh, ministry, especially preaching uh, ministry. Pastor Colin Smith, uh, perhaps you've heard of him. He's the senior pastor in our church, and uh, he, he, maybe you know him uh, through the Moody uh, radio program. Uh, because he teaches there. Uh, Mitch uh, told me that uh, this year you have the theme of joy, uh, and um, so, so I decided to speak about joy, but uh, also joy when, as we'll see, uh, we are going through times of uncertainty. Uh, but uh, first, let me start with, uh, with a prayer, uh, to ask the Lord to guide our thoughts and our hearts today. Heavenly Father, uh, we praise you. We thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you that you, you are saving us by grace through faith in Him. Thank you for the work that He accomplished on our behalf on the cross. Thank you for your Holy Spirit whom you give to the believers. Thank you for this day that is your day and we pray that you will be exalted. I pray that you will satisfy us uh, with your word. Open our hearts and minds to hear words not of uh, human eloquence but... Uh, um, your wisdom. We need you and uh, you know our needs and I pray that you will give us according to the riches in Christ and we pray uh, that you will be exalted above all today in Christ's name. So Blaise Pascal, uh, he once said, uh, Blaise Pascal uh, was a French mathematician, a prodigy and he was a physicist, an inventor. Even in Greece when I was a kid we studied of the 18th century, I think, and even 17th, sorry. And even uh, as a kid uh, at school, I studied something that he had proposed a way to solve uh, things in mathematics. And he was, uh, above all, a firm believer in Christ. And he said, all men seek happiness. This is without exception. Whatever different means they employ, they all tend to this end. And this is, uh, I believe this is true. Uh, and me, as a teenager, I, I struggled a lot uh, with uh, this uh, thinking how I can be a Christian and have joy in my life because I thought that these two could not go together. Uh, but uh, Jesus tells us, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. It's in uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verse 10. But the same verse tells us that there is also someone, a thief, who comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And of course, that's the enemy, that's Satan. Uh, but in Psalm 16:11, a verse that I think Mitch has also mentioned, uh, we read that in God's presence, in your presence, there is a fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. And I hope that's true, and you have experienced it in your life. Um, as uh, Connor said, we'll be reading mainly from the book of Habakkuk, from the Old Testament, uh, which is a small book, only uh, three chapters. But um, before that, I would like to start us um, with a um, few verses from Psalm 66. 
It's a psalm of, of praise. You can find it, find it at the page 480 uh, in the church's Bible. So, uh, Psalm 66. To the choir master a song, a psalm. Shout for joy to God all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise. Say to God how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies come cringing to you. All the earth worships you and sing praises to you. They sing praises to your name. Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds toward the children of man. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the river on foot. There did we rejoice in him who rules by his might forever. Whose eyes keep watch on the nations. Let not the rebellious exalt themselves. Bless our God, our peoples. Um, and amen. May God's name be glorified uh, through everything that, uh, that we do. Uh, what we read is, uh, we read uh, uh, about uh, a call to, to worship God. We read in this sound, and that includes us, by the way, um, that uh, his people, and this includes us, are called to praise him, to acknowledge how awesome his deeds are. We wrote that, uh, we read that uh, the psalmist says, to sing praises to his name. And then he gives this invitation, come and see what God has done. There did we rejoice in him, there in their freedom, uh, in verse uh, 7. And this uh, reminds me of the joy that uh, Harriet Tubman had when she was finally a free woman. And uh, I read her biography recently, and I read that how she took a deep breath, feeling a free woman in a free land, breathing free air in a similar way. Another man named John uh, that she mentions and that she helped uh, rescue, which she helped rescue, he was full of fear. He was convinced someone would arrest him and take him back uh, to... Uh, back to where uh, she had rescued him from. Uh, and when he finally crossed the border of Canada, tears began to stream down his face, and he began to sing, Glory to God and Jesus too, one more soul got safe. Oh, go and carry the news, one more soul got safe. And he sang the song over and over again, and uh, this was so contagious, this joy that he had, that other people got the same joy and they started crying together with him uh, and tears were streaming down their faces too. Uh, to such a person uh, who had no rights before, now being a free man, that was the sweetest moment uh, in all the world. And it's the same for us. And Jesus tells us that there is a joy in heaven when one lost uh, uh, sinner repents and returns back to him. And I hope that's also an experience, a joyful experience that you have had, of being delivered by Christ and turning to Him. Uh, the Bible tells us that we were under, uh, we belong to this kingdom of darkness, a domain of darkness, and now we have been transferred to the kingdom of His beloved Son, Jesus Christ. Um, and I'm saying that because in a sense what we'll see today uh, is uh, mainly for those who, are, who have committed their life in Christ. So, we read in the last verse, Psalm 66, uh, verse 7, about God whose eyes keep watch of the nations, and the man of God adds, let not the rebellious exalt themselves. And in that setting, we have Habakkuk. Habakkuk is a prophet of God. We read that in the first verse of his book. And he's having a dialogue with God. 
we'll go through the first uh, two chapters very quickly before we focus on the third chapter. So Habakkuk knows the character of God. He knows that he's a good, uh, he's good and just, and therefore he rightly wonders why the wicked surround the righteous, and so justice goes forth perverted. Verse 4. Mark Dever, who is a pastor in Washington, D.C., said, Habakkuk essentially asks, how can I be happy when it seems God doesn't care? But the Lord's answer to him is to show him that he cares, he knows, and he is doing a work in his days that uh, even the prophet would not believe if told. That's in verse 5. And we also read that uh, uh, that's a work that's hard to be grasped and believed, And God says, look among the nations and see, wonder, and be astounded. He he even goes on to reveal to him that he is bringing judgment through another nation, the Babylonians, also called the Chaldeans, in verse 6. And that perplexes the prophet even more, because he knows their reputation, that they are a fierce nation, and they have no mercy. And he says in verse 12 and 13, O Lord, you have ordained them as a judgment, and you, O rock, have established them for reproof. You who are of purer eyes than to see evil and, and cannot look at wrong. But I love how he finishes his second argument. Chapter 2, verse 1. I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. I like that he is not passive in his approach. He's expectant that the Lord will answer to him. And the minister of God, Warren Wiersbe, uh, he had said, In the Bible, patience is not just a passive acceptance of circumstances, but rather courageous perseverance in the midst of trials, of uncertainty, in the midst of difficulty. In the same chapter, Habakkuk also gives us this well-known statement, The righteous shall live by his faith, or faithfulness. Indeed, by faith in Christ, we are saved. By faith in Christ, we are called to walk every day of our lives, honoring God. And by faith in the work of Christ, not in our works, we are counted righteous with God's righteousness, with Christ's righteousness, as the Apostle Paul explained to us in uh, uh, using the same exact statement in uh, Romans, the book of Romans. Now in Habakkuk chapter 3, where we'll focus today, we have the prophet's prayer. And we know that because um, he writes it in the title of this chapter, a prayer of Habakkuk the prophet. In addition, this prayer is written in the form of a song, of a psalm. It is poetic, uh, in meter, meter, uh, has a heading like many of the psalms, and includes the musical uh, notation Sila four times. And the title of my message today will be Rejoicing in the Lord in the Midst of Uncertainty. Habakkuk starts his prayer in a similar way to the psalm that we just read. He first praises God as he remembers his faithfulness in the past and how God has been gracious, setting his people free. He remembers in verse 13 of chapter 3, You went out for the salvation of your people, and yet he struggles to accept what the Lord tells him. Here perhaps the question that bothers him is this, how can I be happy when God's plans seem to be so strange, so different than what I had expected, than what I had thought? And we come to the end of this wonderful book, 
I'll reread the verses 16 to 19. I hear and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. Yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us. Um, Though the fig trees should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce in the olive fay, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. First, we read that facing the, the uncertainty of uh, the coming, uh, the, the certainty, sorry, of uh, the coming destruction by the Babylonians, Habakkuk experiences an immense fear. He lives quivered, which uh, means that he was at the break of tears. And he felt weak, as if decay and rottenness was entering his bones. But then in a remarkable statement of faith and trust, he says that he will rejoice in the Lord. He will take joy in the God of his salvation. Um, And let's see, um, I think these are some very very, uh, hopeful passages. One of my favorite, some of my favorite verses in the Bible. So let's see them a little bit more. Though the fig trees should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, which is rare. Fig trees, they are very natural in warm climates. They don't need much water. They are easily to be uh, cared for and to grow. No grapes in the vines, though they produce of the olive fay. All these are natural products in Israel and in Greece too, by the way. Um, and the fields yield no food. So no wheat, which means no bread. Although there will be a lack of essential products, if the fields yield no food, though the flock be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls. So even if there is uh, starvation uh, because of the coming um, destruction, the invasion of the Babylonians, he says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. God the Lord is my strength. Such a hopeful attitude rooted in the knowledge of God's strength. And that's a personal rela- a statement of relationship and dependence on the, in the Lord. Uh, so I'm wondering what's your situation today. Perhaps you find that your work is uh, demanding, uh, exhausting, uh, but uh, leaves you empty. Uh, there's very little reward or very little appreciation. Perhaps you feel overwhelmed uh, maybe with changes happening around you. So many workplaces, for example, seem to be understaffed, understaffed nowadays. Or perhaps you feel you are being treated unjustly. Uh, People are not recognizing your efforts. Um, And if that's you today, I would encourage you to turn to the Lord and focus focus on Him. Bring your problem before Him. I thought perhaps you you will find this exercise helpful. Take a journal and write, uh, even though your situation, yet I, write your name, will rejoice in the Lord the God of my salvation. It's uh, beautiful that the, the prophet, the emotions of the prophet are not uh, focusing, centered on the circumstances, but on the contrary, they are focused on the Lord, uh, who is the source of our salvation and our strength. No matter what the circumstances are, he was determined to trust God and rejoice in the midst of uncertainty and whatever the Lord was bringing. 
Of course, uh, this uh, doesn't mean we should ignore uh, the situation we, in our lives. Uh, if it's a hard uh, situation, that we should pretend to be happy. The Bible also says, weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. So we don't live in denial as Christians. A friend of mine said, Christians don't put a smile on a frown. Um, we don't ignore the situation, but we can have hope in the God of our salvation. And uh, contrary to positive psychology uh, that tells us we can uh, pretend to be happy or turning to our inner resources to find strength, our joy has an external source. source. And I like um, that Habakkuk calls God my rock. And uh, we have this rock on whom we can depend. Our joy is being grounded on the fact that uh, God is seeking after us and he wants to have a relationship with you uh, and him. And uh, with you and me, uh, he wants to have a relationship. And Habakkuk calls God the God of my salvation, which makes it so personal. Uh, he actually repeats the word salvation um, at least three times in uh, this chapter. So we rejoice in the presence of our Creator, in the presence of him where we can find the fullness of joy. If we can form... Uh, a question based on this chapter, chapter 3, the question will be, how can I be happy in any circumstances? And uh, the answer that Habakkuk gives is only in God. Only in God. So Habakkuk uh, turns to God, and although the future seems foggy and cloudy and uh, gloom and dark, yet he chooses to trust in Him. And that's a deliberate choice that he makes to rejoice in the Lord. Nehemiah, which is another man of God in the Old Testament, says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy that uh, the Lord himself gives, uh, that he gives with his presence in us. And we have, as believers, we have the presence of the Holy Spirit in us. So I have a few questions um, for you. Can we lose our joy? What do you think? Yes? No? Was that? Can, could, could we lose our joy as Christians? Not if it's like not if it's correctly focused. Hmm. I like that answer. Yeah. 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 Only if, yeah, if, it's, if we're correct, correctly aligned, then we can't lose it. But hmm. our circumstances could take our focus off yeah. of our ex personal source of joy in Christ. Yes, exactly. So very often we might lose our joy because we focus on the circumstance in our life. Or the next question then is, can we regain maybe this lost joy? Um, I see you are nodding yes. And uh, <laughs> yes, uh, King David uh, says in uh, Psalm 51, after you know he had committed this sin in his life and then he repents before God, he says, he prays to God, restore to me the joy of your salvation. That's what he prays. Um, and uh, the next question is, what is, what is stealing our joy? Uh, what, are, what might be some cases where we lose our joy? I think... I can't think of uh, health issues. Health issues, yes. Loss. Loss, yeah. Worrying about what other people think. Yeah, yeah. Worrying about what other people think, yes? Injustice. 
injustice. Yeah, like Habakkuk uh, mm. worries so much about that, as he sees uh, in the first chapter, the wicked, uh, you know, uh, yeah, the wicked uh, tramping over the righteous. You're right. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we mentioned uh, health issues, worries, uh, I would add the wrong priorities, unhealthy busyness, and myself, uh, sometimes I regret the wrong priorities, which I said this week. Neglect of our spiritual aspect of our being, starving our souls, uh, not spending much time with the Word of God, and, uh, and sometimes we don't even realize that uh, that, that is uh, malnourishing our souls. Um, and in the beginning we don't feel anything changing and then as we look backwards we realize how much uh, ground we have lost it's like uh, thought, uh, it's like exercising in the gym maybe you had the stable rhythm uh, going to the gym and then vacations came, you relaxed and then you, when you go back to the gym you realize you've, you've lost a lot of ground there you fell behind and the same is, is with the word of God if we are not constant in uh, spending time with the Word of God. Um, and therefore we might lose our joy in the Lord. Uh, Habakkuk uh, was speaking also about the lack of essential things. Uh, but many times uh, I think we lose our joy because uh, we are looking at the things that other people might have. A fancy car, better weights, bigger house, blessed family, kids. And we are wondering why we don't have the same. And that these thoughts might start stealing our joy. We forget uh, what we already have in Christ. And uh, not, uh, it's not only temporary happiness, but we can have joy in Him. Asaph, who has written Psalm 73, he says, My feet almost stumbled, my steps had nearly slipped, for I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the, we, the wicked. So again, he was worried about the injustice that was uh, around him. And uh, people were saying, how can God know? Is there knowledge in the Most High? And uh, these are the wicked, uh, the increase in riches, and he goes on. And then we read in uh, verses 17 and downwards that he goes before, before God in prayer and he was able to see with God's eyes, to, get, to gain his perspective. He says, Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I discerned their end. And he finishes with some very glorious verses. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will receive me to glory. Whom, whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength which in Hebrew is rock, of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all your works. These are amazing verses of uh, trust, uh, trusting in uh, the Lord. These are um, from the Psalm 73. And... Uh, we should ask for such a victorious and joyful spirit in our lives too. Chapter 3 shows us how far Habakkuk has come in learning to trust the Lord. But uh, what about trials and hardships and the difficult times, times of extreme testing? 
James, uh, in uh, his letter in the New Testament, says, Count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. James chapter 1, verse 2. And first of all, we notice that he doesn't say, if you meet trials of our various kinds, but when you meet, because we can expect uh, that we will meet trials of various kinds too. Secondly, he says count, which is a financial term, and means to evaluate. Uh, when we face trials of life, we must evaluate them in the light of what God is doing uh, for us. Um, this explains why the dedica dedicated Christian can have joy in the midst of his trials. He lives for things that matter the most. So testing works for the believer, not against him. And the Bible says that the testing of our faith produces in us a good work. It makes us more Christ-like. makes us more like him uh, and helps us to trust God more. I've seen it in my life, perhaps you've seen it too, that uh, very often difficulties will, uh, will push us uh, closer to God. We'll learn to be more dependent on Him. Charles Spurgeon, a minister of God in the uh, UK, in Britain, he said, I have learned to kiss the waves that throw me up to the rock of ages. Because he had learned the lesson that uh, these difficulties uh, will turn him closer to God. So, uh, the testing works for the believer, not against him. God is, uh, it's like uh, God has taken a chisel and he's working to form something nice out of us and he wants to use us. Um, the Bible also tells us that uh, we can be comfort <laughs> to others through the, because of the comfort we found in Christ Jesus. So, let this time of testing be a time of growth, can be... A, a time of renewed hope that we find in him like was for Habakkuk. Hebrews 12, which is an, another amazing chapter of the Bible. Uh, as you can see, I love, uh, I love my Bible. There are many verses <laughs> which I really love. But uh, this is another great chapter of the Bible. And says, and uh, there we read that God, because he loves us, and he accepts us as, as his children, as his sons and daughters, He's at work, he's training us, he's refining us, he's purifying us. He is forming Jesus Christ in us, and he's changing us. So he disciplines us, we read in that chapter, for our own good, that we may, may share in his holiness. And we read that for the moment, that discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. We understand that. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So we can have hope that God is at work even in the most difficult times of our life. Hudson Taylor, who was uh, a missionary in China, he noticed that difficulties can work in two ways. Either they will bring us closer to God, as I mentioned, or they, um, and teach us to trust in Him, or they might stand between us and God. Um, in the world, they say uh, that hardships will make you bitter or better. Um, so there are two ways. We, uh, we hope that the hardships will push us closer to the rock of ages, to God. And uh, I wanted to read the part of his biography, which is my, I think, my favorite uh, book after the Bible. It's called Hudson, Hudson Taylor's uh, Spiritual Secret. He had lost one wife uh, during his uh, life, uh, five kids. Uh, and humanly speaking, 
he had uh, every reason to, to be mad at God. Uh, but he didn't want anything to stand between, to interfere between him and his relationship with God. So, someone brought him uh, bad news that some missionaries uh, were in danger. Uh, and uh, apparently he started singing or whistling a Christian song. So people were uh, maybe a little bit furious with him and they asked him, How can you whistle when our friends are in so much danger? His answer was, would you have me anxious and troubled, was the quiet reply. That would not help them and would certainly incapacitate me for my work. I have just to roll the burden on the Lord. Day and night this was his secret, just to roll the burden on the Lord. He had learned that for him only one life was possible. Just that blessed life of resting and rejoicing in the Lord under all circumstances while he dealt with the difficulties inward and outward, great and small. He had learned to roll the burden on the Lord. And Jesus has uh, warned us that in this world we will have tribulation. But he says, take heart, I have overcome the world. John 16, verse uh, 33. And Jesus himself was tempted in our own likeness, yet Bible tells us without sin. As we read in Hebrews 4, 15. And we also read that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the same, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He's now sitting next to God in his presence, where's the fullness of joy, where there are pleasures forevermore, and we can uh, wait for that time to come for us too, where we'll enjoy uh, time and life with him uh, forever. Uh, where there is the fullness of joy. Um, but it's time to finish. I started with uh, Psalm 66, which was a praise and an invitation. And uh, I want to close with uh, this again. Come and see what God has done. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. All the earth worships you and sing praises to you. They sing praises to your name. And as C.S. Lewis said, in commanding us to glorify Him, God is inviting us to enjoy Him. So, let us uh, pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for giving us Jesus Christ. What was the most precious for You? You sent Him up to die on the cross for our sins, that whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. Thank You that now, because of Him, we can have joy and hope that one day, hope in this life and also hope that one day we'll be with you at your right hand enjoying pleasures forevermore, enjoying your presence where there is the fullness of joy. Thank you that uh, in this invitation you give us to come and worship you. You, you, you also give us an invitation to come to enjoy life with you. So we pray that you have uh, this fruit of of the Spirit will have joy and peace and love in our lives even in the midst of uncertainty even in the midst of trials even in the midst of hardships help us to trust in you we pray that uh, no matter what circumstances uh, we are facing in our lives we will uh, be able to rejoice in you and make this deliberate choice to trust in God in you, the Lord and the God of our salvation. May you be our rock when we lose the ground beneath our feet. Help us to be firmly, um, 
to be firmly grounded on Christ, the solid rock. We pray that you'll be exalted through everything that we do, say, or think. Uh, for yours is the glory, the kingdom, and the power forever and ever. Amen.